0: This evening I'd like to minister to you about Victory in the Lion's Den, Daniel chapter number 6. I'm going to read several verses. We'll start with verse 5. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open and his chamber toward Jerusalem. He knelt upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as he did previously. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. The king spoke and said, Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver you. And then verse 19 and 20. The king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel servant of the living God. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocence was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Victory in the lion's death. Let's, let's sing this song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, as our hymn as we get ready to preach. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. I'll be a living. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen. Amen. Daniel is certainly one of those figures in the Bible that children come to learn of and love. This man who was a captive of Judah had tremendous insights and abilities. God had given him skills in understanding dreams and interpreting very difficult things. In fact, the spirit of the Lord was on him so strong that a number of doors were open for him, and he was able to prophesy of things to come. Some of the folks in the early chapters, Nebuchadnezzar, for instance. But the preceding chapter... In chapter 5, has a king by the name of Belshazzar. And this individual had called for a big party and invited over a thousand people. The Bible says they were all sipping wine. And he had the bright idea, why not bring all of the holy vessels from the temple of God? And we can all drink from them. Servants went scampering about. They brought all the utensils in there, and the scripture says, as they drank the wine, they began to call on the gods of silver and gold. And in the middle of all of that, in their drunken revelry, the Bible says, suddenly there appeared a hand began to write on the wall. Belshazzar was nervous. He'd never seen anything like that. His knees began to knock as the Bible says, and he called for his magicians and wise men, and they were unable to interpret the language left on the wall. Now, you know God is bad if he can stick his hand from heaven into the earth's atmosphere and then write something and then leave a message. But he didn't have anybody that could interpret it. Somebody said to him, there's a man by the name of Daniel. This man was used greatly amongst your ancestors. I believe if he comes, he can help you. Well, they invited Daniel and he came and he said, sure enough, I can tell you exactly what has taking place. Now, you've got to remember, Daniel walked with God, not with Belshazzar and his party. Daniel didn't receive an RSVP or any kind of invitation to come to Belshazzar's party. But I've told you before, in conditions like that, amongst people like that, When the fingers of a man's hand appear and they can't understand it, they will look for you. When people can't interpret what's going on in their life, they'll look for a man or woman of God that knows how to pray, that can bring clarity to a situation. Daniel told the man that this is a prophecy and that the Lord is saying to you, you have disobeyed the example set in your ancestor Nebuchadnezzar. I gave him everything. But in his pride, he lifted himself up and I debased him. And he became like one of the animals of the field and like a a, a donkey feeding out in the wild pastures. That's how he lived until he came to know that I am God. And his mind returned. Belshazzar, you didn't learn from that. And because you didn't learn from the example of Nebuchadnezzar, this kingdom is taken away from you. The kingdom in your possession is numbered. You're gonna pass away. Sure enough, end of chapter five gives the interpretation of Daniel. Belshazzar was so impressed by this man of God, he put a chain of gold around him, clothed him in special garments, so that people knew that he had been promoted, and it says Belshazzar that night was slain. Now when that king woke up that morning, he had no idea when he had that party that by evening time he'd be dead. Most people don't realize they're just one heartbeat away from eternity. That the scripture teaches there is but yet one step between us and death. Daniel remained. Darius the Mede took over. And I I imagine that Darius probably thought... If the previous king died because Daniel was a prophet and walked with the Lord and gave the interpretation, I probably shouldn't bother him. And so Darius set up 120 princes over different provinces and districts. And then over those 120 princes, he chose three individuals. We have the language here as presidents. They were like governors or overseers and over those overseers. He put Daniel. Imagine the jealousy that was provoked by that. Here was a Jewish man. He's not even native to our world. And they've taken this slave and put him in charge of us. And these individuals who were Persian and of median descent were not happy about it at all. And so in verse 4, they began to look for ways to go after this man, Daniel. He had been preferred above all of the other ones. Isn't that something? God begins to promote you, good things are happening to you, and then your colleagues or employees begin to look for ways to undermine your authority and get you into trouble. Even when that happens, I can give you this, this word that I know is definitely from God. If you do everything as unto the Lord, God will preserve you. That's not to say he's not going to let you pass through difficult times, but it is to say through difficult times, you will pass. The devil was in these people. They're saying, look, this man, his politics, we don't agree with him. He has an excellent spirit, though. For some reason, the king seems to like him, but there's something we can do. We can play towards the king's ego and we can get this man in trouble with his own God because he's a very pious person and he likes to pray. So they went to the king and they said, King, look here. There are a lot of people in this, this, uh, country that like to talk to all these different gods and all of these are not the kind of gods that you and I accept as true gods and I think you ought to pass a law that says for one month you're not allowed to talk to anybody but me. Now can you imagine a king thinking to himself that, well that, that would be wonderful. If if nobody could talk to their God, but they had to bring all petitions and requests to me. And he said, well, that sounds like a good piece of legislation. So he went on and signed it and it went out throughout all of the kingdom. And the runners were carrying it throughout the realm and said the king has decreed decreed nobody can pray to any God. Except they talk to the king. Can you imagine somebody passing a law like that? Same smirk that you have on your face regarding something like that is exactly what happened with Daniel in chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew the writing was signed, he said, let's go have a prayer meeting. Yeah. Man of God, he, he he walked home and I'm sure he wasn't hiding at all. As soon as everything was signed and the people were looking at him, see what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to take a prayer break. And he went to his house and I love the way he walked in there and just threw the curtains open and pushed open the windows toward Jerusalem and got down on his knees and prayed loud enough for everybody to hear. You know, that's what he did. Because it says in verse 11. The men assembled found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They were observing him. They probably weren't in his room because Daniel probably didn't invite him in there. So they had to be somewhere listening. Would you pray? If somebody passed a law in this nation and said you're not allowed to own a Bible and you're not allowed to pray and talk to God, would you still pray? This Little piece of legislation meant you couldn't pray in private. You couldn't pray in public. You're not allowed to talk to God at all. This is exactly what they wanted. But Daniel had an excellent spirit and he would not allow anybody to come between him and his God. He wouldn't allow the politics to affect his piety. His relationship with God was too deep. His belief in God was strong and he refused to allow the adversary to stop him. Three times a day the man went and prayed. That's how you should be. Have that kind of faith in God. Have that kind of relationship with God. How often do you pray? Do you even pray once a day? Do you pray once a week? Three times a day? This man, Daniel, was a man of God. And so in verse 11 and 12, suddenly these people began to find their fault with Daniel, and they're going to bring it to the king. Now, prayer brings results, and sometimes it brings results that we don't often look for. Nevertheless, prayer does work. This recent trip I had overseas... A friend of mine had gone to China and was telling me that when he was there ministering in that underground church, he had to go to a factory. I think I may have told you. And in that factory, there were five hundred and sixty some odd people there. And so I said, how in the world do you minister to those people? He said, we couldn't have an open meeting because the communists are always watching and people are kind of nervous. So he said, I took as my text John three sixteen and he said, "In the manufacturing plant, from the beginning to the end, I walked along every conveyor belt, I went upstairs into every section where the people were working, into the main offices where the managers were. And he said, "I went individually and I preached a mini message on John 3:16, 3, three to five minutes or whatever, to every person in there." I said, "How long did that take?" He said, "About 14 hours." He said, 70 people gave their hearts to the Lord." But here's what he told me. He said, there was one lady that became a Christian. She grabbed my hand and started kissing it, wouldn't let me go. Said she was an elderly Chinese woman in her 70s. I said, well, what was that all about? He said, well, this woman told me that when she was a little girl, she went to sleep one night and had a dream. And in that dream, the Lord had showed her an African coming and ministering about Jesus and ministering about salvation. To her, they're in China. She said when she heard that an African guy was going around here telling folks about Jesus, she couldn't wait to meet him. Folks, I don't know how many decades she had to wait in order to see that vision come to pass. But I do know when she held my friend's hand and kept kissing it over and over again and was just weeping and crying. She knew that all of her prayers had come to pass. God had showed her something, but she continued to pray, believe that somebody would come. Imagine being lost in your sin, knowing that there's a way out, but never knowing how to get to that particular rescue. God brought a man from the other side of the earth to help somebody that was lost. And it's all a product of prayer. Well, if you're going to live like that, people are going to be jealous of you. And these folks went to the king and they said, king, look, I'm telling you, you are the, 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 the most wonderful person in this planet. And there's nobody in this kingdom as great as you are. But yet there are still individuals that are proud enough and rebellious enough to call on God rather than talk to you. He said, well, would you please tell me who in the world would be that crazy after I have made a law that says you can't talk to anybody but me? They answered before the king in verse 13 and said, Daniel who's of the children of the captivity. And when the king heard it in verse 14, he was displeased with himself. Why was he displeased? He knew the kind of people that worked for him. He knew the kind of man that Daniel was. Don't, don't, don't be surprised if if the bosses that employ you, if 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 they're distraught over something that happens in your life, they know the kind of person you are. You should have an excellent spirit. Do all things unto the Lord. The scripture says that God is not forgetful to forget your unrighteous, to forget your work of faith and your labor of love. Even if it doesn't look like anybody's patting you on the back and telling you thank you, he will tell you thank you. And just be happy to know that you're serving him. Whatsoever you do, do unto the Lord, the scripture says. We're not looking for man's praise. Daniel wasn't looking for the praise of men at all. But yet instantly the king, when he heard this, he set his heart to see this man set free. It was his law. But according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, going all the way back to the book of Esther. Once it became a law, it could not be altered. Scripture says where the word of a king is, there is power. So these men assembled to the king in verse 15 and spoke to him about the law of the, Mer, the Medes and the Persians reminding him of the statute. And can you imagine what that king must have felt like on that day? Man of God by the name of Daniel was brought and he's put in a den of lions. These folks were so wicked, so mean, so evil. That they took a man that did no wrong to anybody, put him in a den with hungry lions. You think back to the ancient Romans when the Christians had to fight wild beasts. Sometimes you can't even say they fought wild beasts. They literally allowed themselves to be killed by wild beasts. The old ancient amphitheaters. Thousands of people gathered in those facilities to watch the Christians as they were marched out there. And they'd take some kind of a bear or a lion or some other kind of ferocious animal. And then with thousands of bloodthirsty people in the bleachers, the Christians would be marched out there. Some of them marched out there with such dignity. It was like they were marching to their wedding. But Yet when the gates were open and the animals were turned loose. To the glee of the crowd, these Christians lost their lives, and they were destroyed. And here are some people that are every bit as wicked and as mean, and they are happy to see Daniel go into a den of lions because they want every bone to be crushed. Now, Years ago when I lived in Jordan, while I was there, Saddam Hussein's son-in-law, took Saddam's daughter and secretly drove from Baghdad to Amman, Jordan, where I was living. The king received them, and they wanted asylum. The king received them and got as much information out of them as he could, but he then said, you cannot stay here. Can you imagine? Saddam Hussein, when he found out that his daughter had fled from Baghdad, I can only say he was angry. Now, this man, Saddam, was a very, very wicked man. When I lived in Jordan, I was I was on the American side in the first Gulf War. My roommate, fear was on the Iraqi side. And he told me that the people who surrendered... During the Gulf War, the Iraqi soldiers, who threw their hands up and marched through the desert and didn't want to fight, the Americans said when they returned back in, in Baghdad, Saddam had some of their ears surgically removed. Their noses were taken off. That's why you have so many disfigured people in Iraq right now, because of that, that situation of surrendering during the war. So Saddam, he was very cool and calm and collected, He, he, King Hussein in Jordan was saying to Saddam Hussein in Baghdad, you got to give us your word. You're not going to bother them if they come back home. Your daughter is very apologetic and she's sorry. And Saddam said, oh, I'm not going to bother them at all. Please, please send them back. There won't be a difficulty at all. Well, after about a week or so begging and making promises, The family, the husband and wife, and a few other figures made their way back. They had it on the front page of the paper. When they got back in town, they immediately separated them at the border, sent the husband in one direction, the daughter of Saddam in another direction. These different aides went in different directions. The daughter was preserved, but she was housebound for the most part for the rest of her life. The aides, they had it on the front page of the Jordanian paper. He took every one of them and threw them in a lion's pit. Every one of them died. Took his son-in-law, put him in a home, and, and placed in that home all kinds of weaponry. He was in there all by himself. But he had several guns in there. And Saddam surrounded the house with his army, and then they just shot the thing to pieces. What are you saying? I'm saying here was a man. That was wicked enough to do that. And he had people around him that were quite happy to see it happen to people who they believed were traitors and treasonous. And here is Daniel surrounded by people that want to see him cast into the lion's den. And now that he's in the lion's den, you can see the happiness and the smiles on the faces of these princes and people. The king is unhappy about it. The king couldn't even sleep that night. But he did say to Daniel, your God will deliver you. He didn't want to hear any music that night. He he, he put off the who the, whatever orchestra was going to play that night. He said, I don't want to hear any music. He turned the plate down. He fasted. He prayed. He did whatever he knew to do in his own religious way. And he couldn't even sleep. Imagine that. Have somebody in your life that close to you. No, they're passing through a difficult time. You know how hard it is to sleep. We have a hard time sleeping if we're having problems on the job. If there's a problem in your family, sometimes you toss and turn on the bed all night long. And that's exactly what the king did. Mr. Daniel had no idea the king was doing that. And the king had no idea what was going on with Daniel. I'm sure that king was thinking in his mind, oh my goodness, this boy's bones are being crushed. The lions are guarding his body. Now, I won't even let another lion by the carcass. How are we going to get him out of there? The next morning, verse 19, he got up early, went in haste. You can see in verse 20, the reason he had that lamentable voice is because even though he told Daniel his God was going to deliver him, he wasn't really sure that he would do it. That's why he had the lamentable voice. And he asked the question, is your God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver you? Then he heard that voice, Daniel. (laughs) King, you can live forever. I'm telling you, God's bigger than you are. You couldn't save me from the lion's den, but he did. That's the key. Now, what did Mr. Daniel do all night long in the lion's den? I don't know. But verse 22 says, my God had sent his angel." So we do know that while he was in the lion's den, he still trusted God. Even the king could say, the God you serve continually. Do you think he stopped serving God when he hit the lion's den? He believed, he trusted God. As they were lowering him into the pit, he was still saying, God, I love you, God, I honor you. The angel of the Lord came in and shut The lion's mouth. If Daniel knew it was the angel of God, then God somehow had to have that angel manifest to him so that he would know it was a supernatural appearance. So, folks, what am I saying? I'm saying that every lion's den that you enter into, every difficulty that comes your way, God has an angel for you. He has an angel for you in every lion's den that you enter into. What does the scripture say? Angel of the Lord encampeth about those that fear him. You fear him? I fear him. So we enter into the lion's den knowing that God is strong, that God is mighty, and that God is able to muzzle the adversary even when the adversary wants to talk. Can you imagine if them lions would have tried to attack the angel of the Lord? They'd have been selling lion burgers all over the city the next morning. They didn't dare bother the messenger of God. But think of it this way. Before Daniel ever was lowered into the lion's den, he already had victory. How do we know that? Because the Bible talks about us being like sheep in the midst of wolves. Before he ever had to to face these ferocious lions that were of the animal kind, he had to deal with those carnivorous lions of the human kind. Yeah, they wanted to devour The conspirators filled with jealousy. And a man that can bow his knees above ground can bow his knees in a lion's den. A man that can trust God when people are trying to stare him down and intimidate him. You can pray and believe God in the midst of a tough circumstance. Don't let the odds intimidate you. Don't let the devil intimidate you either. And so verse 23 makes it very plain that the king was happy. Now this is interesting. Because in verse 18, the king, he didn't want to have any kind of joyful noise in that room. And then in verse 20, you can see that the the cry from his mouth was one of lament. But now the tone in his voice in verse 23 has changed, and he's exceedingly glad. Aren't you glad that people can change their minds? Things can turn around just like that, folks. One day people can be unhappy and sad, and the next day they can have a smile on their face. But you have to be able to praise God before the victory comes. Learn that lesson. Remember the story of uh, children of Israel coming out of Egypt? I love that old sermon by David Wilkerson. It's called uh, Right Song, But Wrong Side. And he told the story of how the children of Israel came out of Egypt and how when they were facing the Red Sea, how everybody was distraught and they were saying, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us and you don't love us. And besides that, I'm hungry. How could you do this to us? And so Moses, he went to God. God said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I've got a staff. He stuck the the stick out, the rod out over the sea. The waters went back. The scripture says in one night, an east wind blew through there, dried up the ground so nobody walked over on mud. It came through one night, people walking through that. and You can imagine the older people and the young kids holding grandma's hand and they're looking at that water like a wall and people just mesmerized by that kind of a miracle. And when they got on the other side. Miriam said, you know, that that was such a wonderful thing. I think now would be a wonderful time to be able to glorify God and to praise his name. So she grabbed that tambourine. She said, ladies, come on, follow me. And she said, and she said, what a mighty God we serve. And I mean, she started dancing and praising the Lord and everybody followed behind her. And the whole thing that Brother Wilkerson was trying to bring out was that they had the right song, but they sang it on the wrong side. Don't wait until after God brings you out of the lion's den to get excited and happy after he brings you out of Egypt. Praise the Lord before the miracle comes. That's the key. See, Some of us aren't like that. We tend to allow the circumstances to control our emotions. Don't be dominated that way. Allow your inward man, which is eternal, to dominate your life. The devil knows you'll live your life according to your emotions. I guarantee there'll be something taking place every other day to keep you on that roller coaster doing this here. you Monday, you have blue Mondays. Yeah, you have blue Mondays. And then, then, then terrible Tuesdays. You gotta have those, you know. Terrible Tuesday. And then wicked Wednesdays. You gotta have a few of those. Th- those are nice. And by the time you get to Thursday and get a brief reprieve, this is, oh, this is just wonderful. Then here comes the frightful Friday. When are you gonna get off the roller coaster? So verse 23, Daniel was taken up out of the den. No man of hurt was found upon him. Here's the reason. Because he believed in his God. That's what he was doing in the lion's den. What are you doing in yours? You trust in God? You confident in God? Or are you staring in the mouths of lions? terrified. Remember, Scripture says of the adversary, he is like a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So here's what you ought to say. Since he's seeking whom he may devour, you should say to the devil, you may not devour me. That's what you ought to do. You may not devour me. Then allow yourself to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's Tie up a few loose ends here. So Daniel goes up. Then you can see in verse 24, his adversaries go down. The king commanded, they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces. They came to the bottom of the den. This is just like the story of Esther and Haman and Mordecai. The guillotine or whatever that he built for, for Mordecai, he ended up losing his life on it himself. So here, this happened to them. Now, if there's anything we can learn from verse 24, it is this. If you make good decisions, your good decisions are going to affect other people around you. Whether or not they themselves were involved with the decision making or not. But if you make bad decisions, your bad decisions are going to affect other people. These wives, these children probably had little inclination or he didn't even really know the extent of the anger and the jealousy and hostility in their heart as they went after Daniel, but they know now. There are a lot of spouses, a lot of children, a lot of friends who end up entering into other people's affairs of trouble, troubled affairs, troubling affairs, because of a decision made by one person. You can make a decision that can bring blessing to people or you can make a decision that brings bad things to people. Our Savior came into his own and his own received him not, just like Daniel. Daniel's fellow countrymen didn't like him. Jesus' own brethren didn't believe in him. His fellow Jewish nation didn't believe. But what did they do with that wonderful man of God, that prophet, that one that could do miracles? They crucified him It's like they put him in a pit. He was surrounded by the princes. The scripture said had the princes of the world had known, had they known who Jesus was, they, they would have never crucified him, but they did. He died. But he wasn't left there in the grave. He was brought up. See? Romans chapter 1, spirit of holiness raised him up from the dead, and you know what 's going to happen at the, at the end of the age, the adversary is going to be cast into hell and into a lake of fire. You better believe it i'd much rather be on god's side than be god 's enemy, but I do know this: the next time any of us face a lion 's den, the next time you pass through some troubling. Times, I want you to remember this one thing. God has an angel big enough for your lion's pit. God has an angel big enough for your circumstance. All he wants you and me to do is believe. That's what we do. Joseph's own brothers sold him. Put him in a pit. It was empty. No water was in it. They pulled him up out of it. Sold him as a slave to his cousins, the Ishmaelites. They took him down to Egypt. He became a employee, a servant slave, working for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and said, that's a good looking Hebrew boy. I I love him. And she organized it. So there's nobody in the room but her and him. And she went after him, wanted to seduce her. He took off and fled. I mean, she had such a tight grip on him that that the clothing was left in her hands. And she was so embarrassed that a Hebrew slave would turn his back on her. She cried sexual assault. He went to prison, but eventually came out of prison. But over and over again, you keep seeing where it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. Your enemies may be many, but your God is stronger. Don't ever forget that. God gives victory. Let's stand.